Hi, everybody. Welcome to a super special episode of The Publicist Speaks. I'm your host, Jessica Shushka, the self-proclaimed podcast guru. And here uh, today, I have a little bit of bias because I kind of like my guest today. I mean, I like all of my guests, but today is extra special. Um, today, my partner in life and my incredible boyfriend, Brandon, is here with me. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, thank you for being here. Um, Brandon has volunteered to be my very first non-Rare Bird affiliate on my show. We're branching out into new and exciting territories by bringing in writers and readers of all types. We are going to be discussing a plethora of topics such as, or including but not limited to, writing, reading, social media, and so much more. Okay, easy question first. Who's your favorite author? My favorite author, I would probably have to say, be Brandon Sanderson. Um, he is somebody who has, I love his works, and um, the depth that he brings. What genre does he write? He writes fantasy. Okay, so um, the depth, sorry. Yeah, uh, fantasy science fiction in that in that area. And um, something that, that I really enjoy is the depth that he tends to bring to his characters and... Um, and his kind of world creation that he has, um, he's really, I feel adept. Okay. That's amazing. He's a pretty good writer. Although I have tried more than once to read that one book, Way of Kings. I've tried so hard and I get halfway through and then, I don't know, it's been two years now, halfway through. Maybe I'll have to try again. You should. It's really good. <laughs> okay. Now. You are not a published writer, correct? No, I am not. Okay. Uh, but I, you do write. I've seen you do it. Mm -hmm. I've heard your poems. Um, they're emotive and beautiful and amazing. Uh, would you consider yourself a writer? Not really. Um, because I don't... It's something that I do occasionally. It's not something that I do prolifically. And it's not something that I am focused on. Okay, but you still write poetry then. Yes. So would you consider yourself a poet? More a poet than a writer. What's the difference? Um, to me, um, a poet is somebody who writes emotively and who will um, primarily will only, will only write poems um, and will do so in such a way that that the the words will speak from the how do I say um, the words will the words will come from from a place of emotion rather rather than a, a place of of um, thought. Okay, so like from the heart versus from the mind. Yeah. Okay, I hear you have a piece that I do. You're gonna read for me. I can. I would love that. All right. Give me one moment. This piece um, I wrote after a dear friend of mine, of ours, passed away. Um, In February of last year. Yes. Was it that long ago? Yes, it was. Okay. Um, this poem is entitled Words. Words. There are thousands of them and yet they never do seem to come when needed. Few come to mind. Fuck, 
Why? No. Funny how that works. Uncontrollable rage and sadness. Could there be a reason why it burns? Kindle the flame so it burns just a while longer. When time runs out, how does one cope? Yet we do. Not always with grace or dignity. We rage against the dying of the light, but the light burns ever more brightly, kindled by those who carry the beacon. That beacon began as just candles, gifts given freely. No, I think the light will burn forevermore, carried by those whose life was touched, not always with grace, not always with dignity, but carried still. Words often fail me, words rarely come when called, but words pale in comparison to memory, and that burns bright. I love that poem. Um, Our friend who passed away fought cancer for a very long time and succumbed her to her battle back in the beginning of this year. And she was very close to me. And so that poem is super emotional and super heart wrenching for me and for anybody who can read it because of the words that you use. Um, but it, it kind of embodies the feelings that I was going through at that moment where the loss of a friend, like I've lost family members in the past and people I know have died, but her death was the first time I felt death. Um, and I think that your poem kind of embodies that feeling, not so much, uh, I mean, it's hard to explain. It's not so much that it embodies sadness or grief or whatever, but embodies that lost nature of death. Does that make sense? Right. Um, and that, it does make sense because death is not something that is that is easily quantifiable with words. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Um, I have a number of poems written about death. Um. Do you think that writing is healing? I believe it can be very healing. Um, I believe that writing is a way of expressing um, expressing words and expressing thoughts that can be difficult to say out loud. Okay. Um, because do you think that that's because you're the? It's a control thing. Like you're focusing that those emotions into a pen or a pencil or whatever and and forming it in front of your own face whereas if you're talking about it it just kind of dissipates into the ether i think that could be part of it um i think it also helps as a process as a processing mechanism because when you write out the words and you have them in front of you it becomes much more real and it becomes much more tangible somehow that makes it harder for me to think about but i totally get it (laughs) um okay uh so you had mentioned that you have a few poems about death yes does that kind of loss and pain emotion inspire you or are there a plethora of things um i would say there are probably a plethora of things okay um death is kind of one of the primary ones because i went through a period of time where i had quite a bit of loss um, I have heard I lost my uncle and then I lost my mother and then I lost my grandfather all within about three years and that's a lot yes so um, 
that kind of helped me process a lot of the emotion and helped me process um, and and move on. Um, so do you, this question's from one of your sisters. Okay. When do you feel most inspired to write? Um, probably when going through periods of intense emotion. Of any kind? Of any kind. Um, there have been times where I have been inspired to write because I have had feelings of, of joy. Um, and then I'll have words come to mind and I have to get them, get them written down. Mm -hmm. Um, and there have been times where I have been immensely sad. Right. And then the words come and I have to, I have to get them out of my head. Um, she also, M also asks, uh, do you have a preference in the emotions that you want to write down? Like you had just talked about how emotion, like times of intense joy, you have words to write down. Times mm -hmm. of intense sadness, you have words to write down. Mm -hmm. Do you prefer to write words of sadness? That's a weird way to phrase that. But like, do you get more out of writing for sad when you are sad when, than you do when you're writing out of joy? I think I get more out of writing um, when it is periods of, of sadness or, 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 um, down, okay. uh, because it, it helps me process and it helps me, um, purge that emotion. It helps me get, get through that emotion. So you use a very interesting word. It helps you purge the emotion. So it's like, it's not so much that you are getting rid of the emotion mm -hmm. you are just moving it so that it's not like stagnant right right um i'm i'm allowing that kind of that emotion to kind of come come through and and be on the paper rather than in my um in my mind and in my heart just kind of sitting there which makes a certain amount of sense i mean i think that's a reason why everybody writes mm -hmm. and i mean like in general literally every human being on this planet writes it's not necessarily a novel or a memoir mm -hmm. or poetry or whatever. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the internet? Y yes. I mean, some people write in 120 characters. Correct. That's a thing that happens on Twitter. I mean, regrettably, but it does happen. Um, so I think that a lot of people can connect with that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people can connect with the fact that writing for yourself is just as important, if not more important, than like writing for work or writing whatever because you're able to process emotions when you write for yourself like when you're writing at work which i know you do um it's not conveying anything no all, just, all it is just information it's just information mm -hmm. but when you do something at home and when you're writing a poem or when you're writing a song which i've also seen you do it's different it conveys emotion differently and i mean mm -hmm. a lot of the big famous poets in the world have don't necessarily have the happiest experiences in life right so it's a thing that i, I mean like Hemingway comes to mind the most because he is he was a raging alcoholic right and some of his fucking po books are gorgeous and incredible or God, oh, Dr. Beale's going to be so mad at me that I can't remember the name of the, po the poet. Um, I took a poetry class in college, as you remember. Mm -hmm. 
I was there. You were there. Um, and one of the poems, I, I, I made a point to find sex in each and every poem that I, re- I read. Okay. Because I wasn't in a time in my life where I wanted to see the feelings and the emotions. And um, now going through those same poems, while I still believe that, God, it's going to bother me what his fucking name was, but the poem where I talked about an opium, having an opium, a fever dream, okay. a fever sex dream, okay. I can still see now going back on it um, that there were some deep set fucking feelings being buried in that opium dream. Right. And I can't imagine that like Mr. Perfect on the street has anything super interesting to write about. Like you can't, you can't have, let me rephrase this as a question. Do you think that you can have good poetry and good writing without having some kind of pain in your life? I think that having having a level of of pain or having a level of of um emotion either positive or negative brings a depth to writing um where you can have people who have so-called perfect lives um they can write and they can write well but it's not going to have this certain amount of depth that writing from a place of of emotion can have so do you think that if you had not had that series of loss that you would write poetry or did you write poetry before that i did not i started writing poetry after my mom passed away sorry side note william blake was that poet that i was talking about i had Uh. to ask the internet because it would have driven me insane okay um back to real serious notes sorry for the tangent (laughs) um i think that having words written down is a good way to process those feelings and i mean like i can't relate to losing a parent because i have both of my parents Mm -hmm. but loss and grief are weird things and people handle them i think there's no incorrect way to handle emotions i mean that's fair there there are different ways there are healthy and unhealthy ways to handle emotions. right i guess that's what i was talking about mm-hmm. um and i think that constructive is a word i'm gonna go with okay writing is a constructive way yeah to deal with emotions of any kind it can be um how do you feel about that statement I feel like writing can be a very constructive way. Um, I feel like it also can be destructive, depending on on what you're writing and how you're writing it. Okay, um, well, oh, go ahead. So with my poetry, for example, I I write my poetry as as a way to to process and grow from the emotion. Uh, whereas if I if I wrote poetry, um from a from a place of of feeling that emotion and not wanting to let that emotion go it could be it could take a much more destructive turn 
Okay, I can see that kind of like dwelling on the the negativity. Right. Which is never a good thing, but I can totally see mm-hmm. um, what you mean. Uh, Jess asks, um, how do you determine when your pieces are done? When I have no more words to write. That's it? You just go until it's done? Until yeah. it stops? Um, the way I tend to write my poetry is I will... Um, first off, it generally comes at a time when it's not always um, convenient per se. Um, it'll start it'll start going off like a like a script in my head, and I'll just have words just start popping into my brain, and and they'll stay there until I have until I start writing them down. Um, and so I generally will at that point grab my phone or or a piece of paper or something and just start writing. Um, and I write the words that come to mind and then I will write and write and write until I no longer have anything to write. And then I'll go through and I'll, I'll space it out and I'll break it up or I'll, I'll, I'll change words edit to, it. yeah, I'll, I'll edit it, um, to, to flow better or to, um, to, to have a better sound or a better rhythm. Um, that's super interesting. I mean, I've seen you write, but I didn't mm-hmm. realize that it was a like, like in my brain, the way that you described it, it's like this like flashing neon sign that's just like words, words, words. And then you write it and then more words and then more words and then more words. Basically, yeah. That's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, next question is going to be, <laughs> what tools help you work best with your writerliness? Coined by Jess. What what tools? Um, she says, for example, a nice journal, a binder paper, a binder, a phone, notepads, sticky notes, etc. Um, as long as I have a way of getting words down, it doesn't... You're not super picky. I'm not super picky. Um, mm-hmm. I generally... Most of my poetry has been written on my phone just because it's there, it's always accessible, and that's the most direct way for me to get the thoughts out of my head and onto a piece of paper, if you will. <laughs> that ties into Ducky's question. Okay. Which was, um, how do you find time to write? Or do you only write in spur of the moment? I tend to do only spur of the moment. Um, I, I think that there was maybe one time where I actually sat down and when I need to write and didn't have anything to write. Um, and generally that's, that's part of why I say it's, it's a way that I, that I process emotion. So you, so your, your writing and your poetry comes from, uh, like it's a pat, it's a crime of passion. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a crime. I know I'm but. kidding, but that was just what <laughs> happened in my head. Right. Um, and then Ducky asks again, uh, they say, what do you do for keeping yourself distracted when you are in that moment? But it sounds kind of like when you're in that moment, that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. And that is somewhat, that's, that's somewhat accurate what you said. Um, when, when I have kind of that, that inspiration, my, my muse visits me, if you will, um, I will, I will start writing and I won't generally stop until what what I have to to write is done. That's super interesting. And I mean it could be 
anywhere from like do your poems have a set length like or a set a verse or a stanza situation or do you just kind of free verse whatever i freeform yeah. Um, I follow a little bit more of what would be considered uh, slam poetry or, or spoken word, um, where it tends to be a little bit, a little bit more freeform. I I have poems that are five lines long, and I have poems that are an entire page. Do you get anything out of the different lengths? It all depends on what I'm trying to process at the time. Uh, do you notice that certain emotions have different lengths? Like, do you write more? Like, I mean, we had talked about how you get more out of writing out of sadness or negativity or whatever. Mm -hmm. But do you notice that each different emotion has like a different consistency in length? Not necessarily. Okay. I've had some of my poems when I am happy uh, be short, long. Um, I think they they probably tend to lean a little bit more towards longer when I am. Bigsby's talking to you. Oh, lovely. I didn't understand. Um, <laughs> it's like that time Siri talked to Carol. Right. Um, so I didn't. Um, let me rephrase. <laughs> I generally have longer poetry when I am. Um, my poems tend to, be, tend to be a little bit longer when I'm when I'm processing sadness, um, or grief, or something along those lines. Okay. Just because there's generally more layers to it. Um. However, I've had some of my some of my poems where I'm processing something sad that are somewhat short because there's there's just a note of I'm sad and I need to get it out. Which makes a certain amount of sense. I think that it, it also depends on your different levels of emotion. Yeah. Like when I I have dabbled in poetry. Uh, I wouldn't share it with anybody in the world, <laughs> but I have done it mm -hmm. in the past. Usually I notice when I am very, very angry. Right. Or when something happens and I'm just like so brokenhearted that I don't know how to function as a human being. Right. Um, and mine tend to be mostly asking questions to the ethereal audience. Okay. Along the lines of like, why is the world stupid? <laughs> okay. Which I can totally see as being like a grief management type situation. But it I, can be. I'm bad at feelings. I wouldn't say you're bad at feelings. I'm bad at feelings. I feel like I'm bad at feelings. I'm working <laughs> on it. Kareem's helping. <laughs> okay. Uh, so poetry is a thing that you do. Poetry is a thing that my company has done. Okay. However, you are not in publishing industry no. in any way whatsoever. No. So then my question to you is, as an unbiased medium, what would make you pick up a poetry book? Like you've seen our Bella Thorne book. You've mm -hmm. seen our Jacqueline Suskin books. Mm -hmm. um, we have some more, but those are the ones that I've brought home. What would you say would draw your attention to books like those that are collections of poetry? For me, I don't know 
I don't know how much I would be inclined to pick up a, a poetry book. Um, really? Because for me, um, because I, like, like, like I've mentioned, um, I, draw, I draw most of my inspiration from spoken word, from, from slam poetry. Okay. Um, and those, so um, the poetry that I'm more drawn to are, the, are more those types where it's more the the poetry is is more designed to be heard rather than read oh that's an interesting concept so mm-hmm. you would rather go to like a hipstery type diner place or a bookstore or whatever and have your have people share their poetry through their voice right oh, that's um, interesting okay. because i feel that i feel like that conveys more um more depth you can't have an argument about an opium fueled sex dream or a Jesus dream? I mean, you probably could. Have you met me? Yes. <laughs> um, well, that's super interesting. And I think that going through as an English major, reading things for me has always been my preference. Right. And you are a little bit more of an artistic type. Right. You have a huge dance background. Correct. You've done a whole lot of actual art mm-hmm. in your life, in your existence or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of see why you would rather, th- that you would rather ingest poetry as a performance mm-hmm. rather than as a book. Right. And part of that, part of that has to do with being able to, being able to view it from the, the artist or the poet's perspective. What do you mean? So when when I read my poetry, you're you are hearing my poetry as I hear it in my head. Oh. So while while for some people reading reading the poetry, they'll they'll develop their own flow, their own eb- their own ebb and flow of how of how it sounds yeah, the to them. They're, you know, they'll develop their own rhythm rhythm with reading it. But when you are hearing it through through the artist's perspective, it, for me at least, provides a whole new insight. That's super interesting and leads into another question that I have, okay. which is, um, do you write how you feel or do you write as a persona? For example, do you write, are you the poet and the speaker in at the same time or do you have a division? Poet and speaker. Okay. There, there isn't, there isn't a division for me because, because my, my poetry is very personal, and it is processing thoughts, th- thoughts and feelings. Um, so there isn't really a, a division. Okay, so then that leads me into the next question: Was you've heard of William Shakespeare? I assume correct. Um, he had a huge mix of things that he wrote for himself versus mm-hmm. things that were just written mm-hmm. at the spur of the whatever. Right. Um, do you think that the division as seen in some of Shakespeare's sonnets mm-hmm. um, where he is the speaker versus when he writes as a woman or when he writes as a fucking flower or a ghost or whatever. Okay. Uh, do you think that it serves a purpose in healing or in growing as an individual to write as something other than yourself i think a large part of that depends on what you're trying to achieve what do you mean so 
um, trying to if if you if you are trying to learn about how maybe that that flower feels or or that ghost feels, um, putting yourself in their mentality and writing from their perspective can help you achieve that. Um, however, if you are writing just to write, for me, that doesn't that doesn't hold. Um, how do I say? That doesn't hold growth because you are not you are you are having to to write from a perspective that's not yourself. So that you so you would say that if you are writing for yourself, it would be best for you to write as speaker and poet, right? Like if you're trying to heal. Right. Now, if, if you're if you're trying to heal, if you're trying to process writing, writing as yourself allows you to process those emotions. Um, if you are trying to gain insight into how something or someone else feels, mm-hmm. then putting yourself in their in their shoes, per se, um, getting that mentality will will help you process those emotions or learn. OK, so then that brings me to a question about a song that you wrote. OK, now I, I know of two songs for sure. OK. Um, and what you do is you take inspiration from an already existing song and rewrite the lyrics. Right. So I would, I wouldn't qualify that necessarily as writing a song, but I, I do take and, and alter songs. It's like a cover kinda. kind I of, I don't know what that would be called to the populace. Te- te- technically it's called a filk. And that is basically when you, when you take a song that has lyrics that you like and you alter the lyrics slightly, keeping this, keeping, uh, same same tone, music, rhythm of the of the original song, just the lyrics are different. The words are different. Yeah. So you wrote one based off of um, the River Driver, which is written by a band that his name is, escapes me. The Great Big C. Thank you. <laughs> Helping. Yes. Um, and that the one that you wrote is entitled Black Rune Fighter. Yes. Can you? Did you? Did you write that for healing or did you write that as a perspective thing? I did that one for fun. <laughs> okay. Just because? Just because. I, I heard I heard the song and went, oh, if I changed if I changed these lyrics, mm-hmm. um, basically I basically I, I altered the I altered the chorus slightly and, and altered a couple of words and it turned it it gave the song a different meaning. And that one we wrote for, uh, or you wrote for a group that we all belong, that you and I belong to. Yes. Do you think that it has affected more than just you? I think it has inspired people. To, how does that make you feel? I don't know. So a couple, I don't know how long ago. An indeterminate amount of time ago, mm-hmm. I heard from our brother-in-law okay. that he wanted to add some to your, he wanted to sing your song. Right. Essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember you, come, we, it was at something where we didn't go to and we got a text message about it and you, you didn't remember, you didn't know how to handle it. You didn't, it's not that that was wrong. You didn't know what to say. I didn't quite know what to say, um, and in part because I heard about it 
after the fact and it um imitation is a form of flattery right yes the i th- i think what what kind of set me a little bit weird about that is i didn't hear about it until afterwards i mean welcome to the entire copyright issue <laughs> right and i mean that's it, it's a thing that happens um, but i was more curious okay. as to do you feel like you have motivated that group of individuals to be more creative? I don't know if I have motivated them or if I just participated. Participated. Because I feel like I hear that song being sung by people that aren't you fairly often, which is kind of cool. Don't you think? Yeah, I I do. Um, I think part of that is because it's a simple song doesn't matter um and it is one that is memorable and draws out emotions it it does that for sure it's really Mm -hmm. funny because uh there's another song that my mom wrote maybe Mm -hmm. i don't know uh and i keep hearing people who are who have no idea who my mom is Mm -hmm. singing that song and now for the reader or the readers the listeners out there these songs aren't things that are published or recorded or really like actual song i don't even know how to how to describe them they're campfire songs they're campfire songs Mm -hmm. yeah that's exactly what they are um and it's really funny hearing how the word of mouth has kind of uh filtered through this group of humans that we all collectively congregate around Mm -hmm. and it's super interesting because it's one of those things that I just didn't think was um, going to happen. Because, I mean, you hear people singing like Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande like all of, all the time. Right. None of us are those people. <laughs> no. But it's still funny how that kind of thing affects people and it reaches out. I had that experience recently um, with my Instagram thing that I'm doing. Okay. My LA Adventures. Mm-hmm. I had a woman come up to me at an event. I didn't know who she was or what anything about her. And she was just like, I am inspired by you. And I'm like, who are you? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things where you filked the song for fun. Mm-hmm. And it is now being shared with people all over the place. Mm-hmm. I post pictures of myself on the internet. Um, trying to keep myself positive and by proxy apparently help other people stay positive. And mm-hmm. it's just one of those interesting facts where 10 years ago, I'm just, I would never have, I'm in a studio right now. Right. Recording a podcast mm-hmm. that people care about and listen to. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> I don't even know what world I live in. And I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you about poetry and about healing and writing and all these other things. And it, it could just be a conversation that we were having in, in the car on the way home or on the way to work or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're here in a fucking studio. Like mm-hmm. It's all professional. Like we even have a sound guy. His name's Andrew. He's so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like I just... It's weird when small things affect people. Right. So when you write poetry for healing Mm -hmm. and then 
recently you've shared some of it on the internet mm-hmm. and people get shocked mm-hmm. in a good way because you are a very talented man. You do lots of things and you're very good at lots of things. Um, and it's just, I'm not sure you realize that what you've done for yourself is helping other people. Um, what was the one that you wrote? Uh, Too Young? Yes. Uh, it's a poem he wrote about 9-11. Mm-hmm. Now you were what, nine? Eight. Eight when 9-11 happened. Um, but you were still growing up, had the wherewithal to remember what that was like. Mm-hmm. Remember the moments, remember playing with your cousins and your family being sad. Mm-hmm. I was younger than you when 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. And I remember it happening also. It's one of those things where even as long ago as that was, that poem that you wrote, now I'm assuming you didn't write it when you were eight. No. But whenever you wrote it, uh, it hits home in a way that I don't know if you realize. Okay. Because a lot of the people that we spent our time with were all aware of the world when that happened. Mm-hmm. Like, we do have a couple of friends who are younger than me, but they all know what happened. Like, but we do, ha- we spend most of our time with people who were adults when 9 11 mm-hmm. happened. Correct. So, when you shared that, I don't know if it was this year or last year, you shared it on Facebook and it was this big, this big thing. Probably last year. Um, and it was super interesting to see the reaction. Do you want to read it? I can. Go ahead. Too young. Too young to understand, too young to know, but not too young to see, not too young to hear. To hear my mother cry out from our office, to hear her tell us no school today, to see this tear streaming down her face. Too young to understand the implications, the terror, the frenzy, the reason why. Our television was not connected at the time, so we walked to my uncle's house. Not too young to see the smoke. We were told to go into the back and play with our cousins, not too young to hear the cries as the first fell. We played, too young to know, but not too young to play. Not too young to play, but too young to understand why our parents were screaming in horror as thousands lost their lives. Too young. In the days that followed, I slowly grew older. Older than any boy my age has a right to be. As I grew older, I was no longer too young to understand. Not too young to understand why the pictures I drew of what I saw on the television that day made my family cry. Still too young to understand why. Too young. Too young. There are some that I know were born into a world where this is how it was, where the twins never stood. There are many that were too young. Younger than the boy who played with his cousins as they fell. Some still remember. Some may recall. Recall seeing them fall. I wasn't watching, but I remember the cries. I was too young then, I am no longer. For the 2,996 who fell that day, all were too young. I am not too young anymore. I understand now. Heavy shit. (laughs) But like, as you say, you write for yourself. Correct. You write in a specific thoroughfare that helps you process emotions. Correct. 
but in you processing emotions in the text mm-hmm. that you then shared with our friends on Facebook and whatever, mm-hmm. I think that you connected dots for people who maybe didn't realize that there was a whole generation of us of us who were between five and ten mm-hmm. when the towers fell yes. and still remember it. Mm-hmm. Like it's a crazy moment in history where everybody was friends, everybody was sad mm-hmm. for everybody together. Mm-hmm. And the kids at the time, I don't think realized, I mean, hold on, let me, how do I, well, we're, it's like we're, the kids were forgotten about. Right. And we're now entering entering a period of time where everybody who everybody who was who was alive when that happened is now 18 at least any anybody anybody who who is who is not 18 has or was was not born yeah anybody born before that day mm-hmm. or after that day mm-hmm. doesn't remember like no. my brother and sister are going to be 19 years old mm-hmm. uh they were a total of what 8 months old when they they don't remember About that. they don't remember no um, so it's like anybody who is younger than I was or older than you were essentially mm-hmm. like, th- like any, like your sister Kieran, I'm sure, um, has a different recollection of that. Right. She probably wasn't sent away or she had a different way of learning about it. A, a different way of processing it. Because I, I was five mm-hmm. in 2001. Right. No, six in 2001 five whatever i was young right and i remember watching the tower the second plane hit the towers mm-hmm. um but it's one of those things where uh the gravity of what happened didn't hit me until much until i was much older right um but i knew that it was bad like right. obviously um but it's very interesting seeing the different um, a d- different generation gaps mm-hmm. reacting to your poetry mm-hmm. because you were a kid when that happened, mm-hmm. but that poem still made my mom cry. Right. Still made my Nana cry. Right. Like it's those, it's one of those things where you are doing something for yourself, but it's mm-hmm. affecting the world or it's right. affecting the world around you. Right. And I think that it's super interesting. And I think that having that kind of affect, um, isn't something that a lot of poets think about. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that a lot of the poet, uh, like the big famous poets in the world mm-hmm. wrote poetry for, to affect people. I don't think that William Blake wrote poems about tigers and fucking <laughs> opium fever dreams to affect other people. I think that he wrote it because he was a sad, fucked up human and wrote it for himself. And now here we are fucking studying his shit in college. So maybe we're gonna study your shit in college. Who knows? Um so I I have a firm belief that that most people do write for themselves, but also um some poets write to um to in a in a way kind of show people that they aren't alone. That you may be you may be going through something that somebody else has gone through too and they just don't know 
Okay, so, like a connectivity situation. Right. Um, so there are some poets that I that I've heard um, where they've written um, poetry about being bullied. Yeah. And they're writing it from their perspective, but in such a way that kind of helps others know um, that that they're, that they're not alone. I think that that's a super important thing to think about. And I think that it's also really important for all of those people out there who, like you, don't see themselves as as writers, mm -hmm. but realize that whatever you're doing, whatever you're writing, whether it's journals or diaries or blogs or fiction or whatever, whatever it mm -hmm. is, if you are writing something, it that makes you a writer. There isn't a paycheck that comes that just says, congratulations, you're a writer. Right. It, it's just, it just, if you do writing, you are a writer. Mm -hmm. um, whether you want to classify yourself as a poet or a playwright or a screenwriter or whatever, if you write something, you're a writer. Okay. And I think that it's really important to get that message, especially to young people mm -hmm. and to people who maybe don't see what they're doing as productive or useful. Mm -hmm. Whereas you... Ha, you write poets po poems excuse my inability to use words you write poems to um help you process emotion but in you processing emotions you're helping other people process emotions and people who write stories and memoirs about the shit that they've gone through and the struggles that they've had and whether it's even a fictional story about like <laughs> domestic abuse or whatever and the fictional character coming through it okay mm -hmm. and like surviving it's still something that somebody else needs to hear right so you're writing it, to my incredible listeners writing is writing whatever you do whether it's fiction or erotica or blogging or tumblr or whatever in the world or poems it's writing mm -hmm. and it makes you a writer and i think that as a publicist i'm allowed to say that <laughs> all right so we're through with all our questions awesome i am so happy that you did this oh thank you for having me i was fun. expecting it to be much more difficult to convince you to come on here but it wasn't and now i'm thrilled and it's done <laughs> <laughs> um thank you so much for coming yeah, i thank you for having me um i want to thank again our incredible sound engineer andrew who's over there behind the glass thank you andrew i think that he's incredible and has spoiled me with lovely sound happenings sound equipment <laughs> is great it's you have no <laughs> idea um we're here in our gorgeous studio in los angeles thank you rare bird for producing this podcast this has been the publicist speaks with me jessica the self-proclaimed podcast guru bye